0: Hello, you're listening to the Sexual Happiness Podcast from Love Honey, the podcast where we answer your questions about sex and sex toys. This week, we're going to be doing a deep dive into Kink 101, all the different kinks that are out there, how you can get started, how you can find out more about it very very excited to talk about this and even more excited for our guest today. I'm actually a really big fan of your work. So I'm I'm, I'm super excited. <laughs> um, this week I'm joined by Tina Horn who does so many things, so many amazing things when it comes to to sex. Would you mind telling the listeners a little bit about you and and your work please?
1: Well, you'd certainly know how to Butter my toast and get me (laughs) get me ready, ready to rock. Um, It's so nice to meet you. I'm so happy to be here. I am Tina Horn. I am a writer and teacher and media maker. Some of the things I do are: I have my own podcast. It's called Why Are People Into That? It's about sex, kink, gender, and love. It. uh, I've been doing it for uh, going on eight years now. So if you're interested in a deeper dive into all different kinds of fetish and sexual interests on uh, people who have sort of devoted their lives to the work and art of sexuality talking about those things. It's a very conversation show, very sometimes political, sometimes storytelling, often very raunchy, often intellectual, often very funny um, sort of show. Um, so you can listen to that wherever you pod, why are people into that? and I, it's totally independent. I've been doing it by myself for a long time, and I am the writer and creator of a science fiction comic book series called Safe Sex, or SFSX is often how you can uh, search for it, and uh, that is a comic book for anyone who, you know, loves genre fiction, uh, sci-fi, a little bit of horror, um, but also people who like their heroes to be queer, like their heroes to sort of come from the sexual underground to fight the power.
0: Amazing. You're so busy and so much knowledge. Um, It sounds... There's a lot of really fun stuff that you do. And, you know, as soon as someone mentions the combination of, like, science fiction, horror, comic books, and sex, like... I'm in. Everyone should be in. Cool. I'm it's your man. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a little bit of the show that we call You Could Never Know Enough About Sex, which is where we share a little sex fact that we've learned over the course of the week because you can have, there's always new stuff to learn. It's amazing that, you know, three series in we still have so many sex
1: facts. For a
0: little bit, although it is something that I've learned more
1: recently, um, I teach a class on anal health and hygiene. And um, because I love talking about butt stuff. (laughs) And in doing the research for that workshop, I actually came across a fact that I hadn't encountered before, which is that the anus... Ever heard of it? Uh, the external <laughs> opening to the rectum, asshole, the butthole, the arsehole. Uh, uh, for our, our friends in the UK, <laughs> um, so the anus has half of the nerve endings in the entire pelvic region. So when you're talking about the pelvic region, you know, for me, I feel like that's like between like my belly button and my knee because I got a lot of juice down there, you know. But you know, we're we're, we're talking about basically everything around the actual pelvic bone so that of course includes the genitals um half of the nerve endings in that region are in the anus itself and I feel like it's really important because there's so much misinformation disinformation and so much fear and so many taboos around so much to do with sexuality and definitely with anal sex, which is often gets associated with queer sex, which is a huge passion of mine personally and professionally, um, that we sometimes forget to talk about the physiology and really ground things in the body and take all the morality out of it and even take our experiences or associations out of it and just say like, Hey, here's a fact. These nerve endings in your body, which are capable of sending messages of of all different kinds to, to your mind, to your brain, to your mind, to your central nervous system. Um, there's so many of them in the anus and they're interconnected with your pelvic muscles. So that means that not only stimulation like rimming, stimulation like using a lubed-up finger, stimulation like using a toy, stimulation like using uh like using a hand, like using a penis, like using anything else, using a mouth, um, on that area, or even, you know, since this is the kinky episode, we're definitely gonna be talking about things like uh, things like spanking and, uh, and things like all different kinds of, um, all different kinds of things that you can do that are, that are, uh, ass related that when you're stimulating that area that you're always going to be stimulating because of those interconnected nerves and muscles, you're always going to be stimulating that butthole. And the butthole is, you know, present and a part of your sexuality, um, whether you're aware of it or not because of that concentration of nerve endings. So that's my little, that's my little soapbox moment about,
0: the butt. That's amazing. I didn't know that. And actually, when you started talking about it with with nerve endings and your butthole, I thought you were going to say almost completely the opposite. That you know that there was I don't I don't know why I presumed that, but that's oh, th- half. That's crazy. the the opposite The opposite meaning what? As in, I thought that you were going to say that there wasn't really that many nerve endings there at all.
1: <laughs> oh, oh no, no. And no. I know clearly. Oh, no, I was so not on the many. right track at all. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, but you know, um, the thing about there being so many nerve endings there, it's that it's very sensitive, and I think that some people might have had experiences where they were where their anus was being stimulated and they experienced pain because so that's the thing about nerve endings—they yeah. they don't discriminate between uh, between pleasure and pain, um, except with regards to how you treat them. Right. And Mm -hmm. so if someone is like treating the anus roughly not using lube, not communicating, um, you know, going, going, going uh, quicker than the, the, the bottom, the person uh, whose anus is being stimulated or someone who's stimulating themselves. If someone experiences pain, then those, those nerve endings sort of can, can send like a, 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 a message that ends up as like a reflex of tightening up um, uh, tightening up the entire body towards sensation. Um, and which is good. It's a, it's a protective reflex, but then it often means if we don't know how to, uh, to breathe through it, if we don't, if we're not sort of connected to what is, what it, what really is our desire, if it's not our desire at all, maybe it's the desire of the person who is stimulating us. Um, but they're not actually listening to us, then we might have a negative association with Mm -hmm. that area. So I think that, Thinking about those nerve endings and thinking about how sensitive it is can also help to take away any shame that you might feel that maybe that there's something wrong with you because you want to experience anal pleasure, but you've only experienced like pain or anxiety around that area. Mm. It's sensitive and sensitivity can can cover the whole spectrum of sensation and experience.
0: And I really, I can't wait to go and tell people that and make everyone think about their buttholes. I love it. <laughs> Great.
1: Yes, in the, in the pub. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. Outdoors, exactly. an outdoor pub, you know, with the sky. Uh, yeah. <laughs> overhead. Just, just
0: just, hanging out, having some drinks. Oh, you're not thinking about your butthole? Let me change that for you. Amazing. Everybody <laughs> Thank is, you so though. much for sharing. Sure. You know everybody uh, all, the, all time. the time. So my fact for you is that, um, you know how there is this common like trope about the, oh honey, not tonight, I've got a headache, that whole thing. So there was a some research done by the wake forest university school of medicine that found that actually actually people who suffer regularly from migraines um actually report higher levels of sexual desire than people who don't suffer from migraines
1: (laughs) interesting
0: very interesting Mm. yeah so i mean i mean i'm not sure what what kind of payoff that is because I don't know if you've ever had a migraine but they really really suck so yeah no they're, sure they're, the they're no is. joke <laughs> no. yeah you
1: can't just pop an ibuprofen and get rid of those fuckers
0: no they think it's the same brain chemical that causes mm-hmm. sex or contributes to sexual desire as it is that actually causes migraines
1: I would love some people to do some studies about using sexual you know sex whether it's masturbation, orgasm, intimacy, whatever to treat migraines. Again, I don't, Mm. I don't want to be like just masturbate and your migraine will go away. I understand that they are more complicated. Um, I myself have not suffered from migraines, but I've certainly suffered from all kinds of things that I have found orgasms to be a wonderful remedy for. And I think sometimes it's, you know, it's a chance to, like maybe have some, have a me party, have some, have some (laughs) quiet time, maybe turn off the lights, uh, and, you know, have some, have some just like deep relaxation and release, and then like flood your body with endorphins and, and all those, all those good feelings. So I'm no doctor, but (laughs) I would, I, I would say whatever is ailing you, Come at least once, and then call Destroy me. It. exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Listen, like if it a... doesn't work, you you just had an orgasm, so now you have yeah, a might you still have a migraine, but you also just had an orgasm. So <laughs> yeah, it's not like
0: hurt. it's not like oh, you've got a migraine. Maybe try going for a run and seeing how you feel after that. It's not it's not that risky, All right? Let's let's move on to our main topic today because I think we have so much to get through and there's so many different like areas of this that we could cover so um i want to start right at the beginning just with some simple definitions for people who are maybe new to to kink or don't really know that much about it um so first off i'm sure that you've heard this as well in your line of work that i've heard a lot of people using the terms kink fetish and bdsm pretty much interchangeably um But they they do all have slightly different meanings and connotations. So um, firstly, I'd just like to go through, you know, what the differences between those are and, and what word we should be using for different things.
1: Totally. This is a great question. And I think that in a lot of cases, it is appropriate to use those terms interchangeably. They all work as umbrella terms for any sexual desire or practice or community that is transgressive or is considered taboo or, uh, just unconventional in some way. Um, the differences that I would, that I would want to actually focus on is a little bit more like where those terms come from, like understanding those terms by understanding where they come from. So fetish Actually, is a term that comes from uh, from uh, that has a, like a medical background, like a psychological medical background, like in the, the DSM, right? So, um, in some ways, fetish has an association of pathology, um, a, an association of uh, you know a, a paraphilia, something that is a desire that is uh, you know considered by an individual you know, medical care provider or, uh, the medical community at large or the mental health community at large to be, uh, to, to be deviant, to maybe even be like damaging in some way. Right. So luckily, uh, in 2021, uh, we have, you know, the medical community has come a long way in terms of Mm. seeing certain activities as like necessarily, uh, a, a sign that there's, that there's something wrong with you, that there's something weird. I mean, first of all, just that these desires are not uncommon. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I, But I think that we're still living with that legacy of shame. Uh, I, I also don't want to suggest that there are not um, uh, doctors, both of the physical health and mental health and emotional health that are not still out there in the world today, uh, all over mm-hmm. the world, uh, you know, uh, shaming people, diagnosing uh people as, you know, having some sort of issue for having some sort of uh quote unquote deviant desire. Um so so there's that fetish is also a term that has come to be associated with a lot of um a lot of aesthetics. So like fetish art, for example, you know, art that depicts certain fetishes, um, uh, fetish fashion. Uh, so, you know, all kinds of gear, whether it's leather or latex or, uh, you know, fetish shoes. Um, uh, it's a a topic that I, which I'm rather fond. Um, and sometimes just a, a certain kind of imagery is often, um, associated, um, with fetishism, um, and, or, or, you know, or, or a fetish, uh, aesthetic, um, and then BDSM is actually a term that comes from community that comes from people who, you know, are kinky and I, you know, d- to designate kink, I would just kind of say that it's kind of, that's kind of more a colloquialism and it's a, um, you know, I'm a writer, so I'm always kind of interested in like how all these words can be like used interchangeably as nouns, as adjectives, <laughs> um, uh, you know, as, as branding, um, as like explanations for what we're talking about. So kinky is a, a little bit more of just a colloquialism or slang um, that just kind of describes like anything that is sexually maybe out of the ordinary, which of course totally is different from person to person. Somebody listening to this might find something super kinky that is just like, that's something I do on a day that ends in Y. Um, and, uh, but there might be something that, you know, I think of as like, wow, super kinky that somebody listening to this might be like, oh, that's just been a part of my fantasy life my entire life. I just think of that mm-hmm. as sex. I don't even think of that as kinky at all. And then BDSM is, is a term that comes from, you know, kinky communities um, that uh, is kind of a tricky little acronym. It, it stands for, let's see if I can do this off the top of my head. Um, it, it stands for bondage. Uh, And it also stands for discipline and it also stands for domination and submission. And it also stands for sadism and masochism. Uh, And then the, and then it also sometimes stands for master slave or, uh, you know, master and submissive or mistress and submissive, um, you know, slave obviously being a, a term that, that there's some pushback in the community about like who, who gets to, who gets to play with that term, uh, and in what contexts? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you know, the the, the idea of, um, you know, t- to me, like domination and submission, or a a, a dominant and a, a submissive, is like sort of like a, a sufficient umbrella term that can encompass, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, mistress slave, like the idea of a sort of more like high protocol, like strict like legacy of like understanding of like what is the difference between like one person who is the top and one person who is the bottom and one person who's in charge and one person who um who wants to to surrender to that person who is in charge. So anyway, just made something complicated <laughs> more complicated, but hopefully um with <laughs> more to chill on
0: <laughs> thank you. No, I, I think that's really, really helpful. And as you said BDSM is one of these terms I've seen like graphics before on the internet where it says BDSM along the top and then it has actually loads of different things that all of those letters can stand for that you know and different words that mean different things to different people which for me personally is one of my favorite things about like kink and BDSM as things the fact that there is such a wide range of things and such a wide scope for things to for people to really explore who they are what they're interested in, what they want to do in a way that is is safe and healthy and where they feel looked after and connected. Which brings me on to what I, I, I've put this right at the beginning of our conversation because I think it is so important. But one of the things that scares me quite a lot is the amount of times I've heard conversations with people or that people have asked me questions where they've said, you know oh i think we're going to try something naughty i think that you know my partner is going to tie me up tonight or we're going to try spanking or you know and people who are starting to dip their toes into um you know something a little bit more frisky um and one of the things that i i mean i must drive people nuts talking about safety aspects of it Um, so for me a really big thing to communicate to people is about aftercare and you know even if you're doing something simple like being tied up or you know being spanked that you and your partner needs to be aware of the different feelings that that can bring up in you and the importance of aftercare to make sure that you're not sitting there afterwards just like oh my god what have I done firstly would you mind explaining a little bit about aftercare like what it is why we do it
1: Absolutely. I'm so glad that you are focusing in this conversation on aftercare. Uh, First, I'll explain what aftercare is. So aftercare is a concept also developed within BDSM community to describe the time, the intentional time that you spend with yourself, with your partner, perhaps with your partners, perhaps with your community, um, making there's so, there's so many different ways that you can practice aftercare, but, and really what it comes down to is, is, is what I said already is setting intentional time. So for some people that time might be a check-in, Hey, you're all right. I feel great. Cool. But Let, like, let's go out again or let's go to sleep. Um, that would probably be people who know each other really well and know how to read each other really well, maybe from lots of time and experience either together or separately. Um, or it may just be like, that's what, you know, from an ethical perspective, like that's what we owe to each other. You know, maybe it's a, um, a hot and anonymous hookup and you kind of feel like this is what we owe to each other. Just a quick little check in feeling good, feeling good. Okay. For some people, aftercare could could last an hour. It could last for the rest of the night until you go to sleep. It could last, you know, the entire next day could be devoted to aftercare. Some people might need, might, might have a kink experience that they need to take a week long vacation from life just just to process. Um and I, mm-hmm. you know, you know, but but the the reason that I'm glad that you framed it that way when talking about safety is that I think that aftercare, you know, we, we talk in Kink we also talk about negotiation beforehand, right? Like a a conversation about mm-hmm. desires and boundaries and some of the things that you might talk about during negotiation might be sort of tools that you take into your play or into your sex or into your date most people know about safe words right like Mm -hmm. yellow for stop or uh, sorry uh yeah you gotta you gotta designate what it is yellow for slow down and red for stop uh or whatever words you want to use um sometimes people like to take in a uh designating like a pain scale like uh an understanding that hey we want to play with sadomasochism which is the erotic exchange of of pain, the consensual erotic exchange of pain between adults. So, um, I, you know, I want to spank you. Um, I want to, I want to paddle you. Um, maybe even something that is less about like pain, but more about like an excruciating experience, like tickling. There's people who have tickling fetishes. Oh, right. And so being able not. to say like, Oh, uh, okay. Uh, you know, uh, I is the top, the person doing the spanking or doing the tickling, have an understanding of what I think is intense so I'm gonna I'm gonna right now like spank you or tickle you at what I think is an intensity of six on a scale of one to ten, and then you do that for a second, and then the bottom gives the feedback and says, actually for me that's a four, or actually for me like that's a, that's a ten, right? Like that is like my absolute limit of what I can take, and also continuing to check in because as you get into the flow, you know everybody probably has some experience with a flow state, whether it's in art or sports or sex or kink, once you get into that zone, your experience of pleasure and pain and also psychological intensity, um, can really shift. So Mm -hmm. having those tools to ground you and continue to check in and sort of have that barometer, um, that Mm -hmm. you can, that you can continue to agree on so that you stay on the same page. All of these things we take into our sex and our play, so that we be, so that we can have the experiences that we want and for kink a lot of the time what that for kinky people and for people who are interested in kinky experiences what people want is to push the limits of what they can experience and when you're pushing your limits you are you know you're you're playing with fire you are stretching yourselves yourself beyond like what you could do before again to use the sports metaphor you're running further than you have if you are going on a longer run than you have gone on before you need to stretch you need to be hydrated Mm -hmm. you need to and then while you are running you need to listen to your body right And, you know, kink is, is much, is much the same way. And, you know, if you're, if you're creating art that, you know, maybe, maybe you are a performance artist or, or an actor and you are pushing yourself to a psychological place of like embodying some human experience or emotion that you haven't experienced in your, in your art before, um, all, all of these things, like you need a cool down. That's what an aftercare is. It's a cool Mm -hmm. down. It's it, it's a space for a come down. Actually, I recently was on set. This is another thing I do is do like consulting, including um, on set uh, intimacy consulting for film and television and theater. And I was on set recently with a performer who was portraying a dominatrix in a movie, and I was describing the aftercare, both that they would need to provide. That was like part of the script that they were providing to the that their character was providing the character of the dominatrix, Mm. but that also that the actor needed aftercare from that scene. And I was Mm. describing it. And the actor said to me, some people during a come down from a party, from sex, from sports, from art, um, uh, just from a really intense experience. Some people are going to want ice cream. Some people are going to want cuddles. Some people are going to want a long walk. Some people are going to want a long bath. Some people are going to want to binge, a comfort show. Mm-hmm. So that is time for you to integrate the experience um you know sort of like integrate the psychological, psychological experience with the physical experience. And maybe that's something that you need solo. And maybe that's something that you need to do with somebody who was not involved in the kink scene that you had, like, like, like a friend, phone a friend. Mm. Um, And sometimes (laughs) you might need to do that with, with your partner. Right. And when we're playing with fire, when it comes to kink, whether it is, spanking or bondage as you mentioned or um or maybe something that is a little bit more psychological like a role play or a power exchange dynamic we're making risk aware assessments about something that is a little bit outside of our comfort zone or maybe a lot mm. outside of our comfort zone and there is a possibility that you will be hurt like humans want to push limits and do things that are dangerous mm. and so instead of thinking okay i need to create a situation in which i'm always safe i'm a firm believer in you know harm reduction like what is the situation that i can create for myself that that mitigates harm and that means that like if i like if if i do experience something that I, that i wasn't anticipating that i have the space to heal from that to integrate from that to learn from that um and it doesn't necessarily mean like oh can't do that again because i'm like traumatized from it um but uh what you know what did what did
0: i learn from that experience and what what mm. what do i want to try again next time i wanted to talk um i wanted to go through this next section quite quickly but i wanted to mention a couple of common kinks um you know and just mention a little bit about them um you know one or two ways that you can um explore it with your partner if you're new to it and a little bit of myth busting because i think for for people who are new to it they might not know what's out there and they might not know really what is possible. So I think if we just go through just a quick fire list of a couple of things that maybe people who are listening will hear something and be like, oh, oh, okay. And see what what tickles their fancy. Power play is basically
1: when one person, well, I'm just going to keep it simple with all of these and talk about a couple about two people playing together, but I just want to say off the bat that most kinks can be done solo or with three people or with a big group, but just to, to keep it for the sake of brevity, I'll, I'll talk about how it looks when there's two people involved. So with power play, the couple will negotiate. One person is going to be the dominant, the person holding the power and one person is going to be the submissive the person surrendering their power and that can manifest in a lot of different ways that often involve a lot of different kinks but it's i think the most important thing to know about it is that if you want to intentionally play with that it's at its most ethical and its most enjoyable when you are when you negotiate and communicate that desire, whether your desire is to be dominant or be submissive and all kinds of different people, all all kinds of different genders want to be dominant.
0: The one that people often fall into first when it comes to King is things like bondage and like impact play, like spanking and stuff. And um, it's, it's something that, again, you know, people should find out a little bit about so that they don't accidentally... Cut off their partner's blood supply to their fingers, you know, tying them up so that they don't smack something that they shouldn't have smacked. Um, what are some ways that people can start by exploring impact play and and bondage and restraint in a way that's safe? And, and where can people find out more about how to do those things safely?
1: Absolutely. So. Impact play. I'll start with impact play because that is one of my favorite topics. I teach about it a lot. It's one of my personal favorite kinks. And it is a bit, you know, spanking in particular is a bit of a kinky gateway drug, uh, so to speak, um, (laughs) partially because it is totally possible to do it for free. (laughs) Uh, It's totally possible to do it, you know, in in most in most the, the privacy of most bedrooms. It's a way that you can explore the sadomasochism side of BDSM. So that's, again, the erotic exchange of pain between consenting adults. Um, and just a word on sadomasochism. To me, pain and pleasure are just two different kinds of sensations that humans that human nervous systems are capable of going all the way back to our conversation about nerve endings. Um, you know, I am inclined towards sadomasochism and, and always have been. So it's kind of like understanding, like not being into pain as much as being into pleasure is like, kind of like me trying to wrap my head around not being bisexual. I'm like, I understand that this is a thing, but like, can only really think about it in an abstract way. Um, (laughs) with the understanding that not everybody likes pain as much as they like pleasure, I think it is important not to judge that like on, on a, on a physical level, they're just two different kinds of sensation without any moral valence, like attached to them. And, um and sometimes they can, they can work together um to create like really intense experiences. Mm. And, and there are quite a lot of people who like intense sensation, whether it, And just because you are into pain doesn't mean that you're into, like, the most extreme pain all the time. Mm. And there are, like, lots of different kinds of pain. Mm. Spanking is one of my personal favorite kinds of pain. Um, I find it really intimate. I find it really sensual. I don't always like to – like, I can enjoy a spanking and, like, not have an orgasm or, like, not have – like, sex be, like, a part of a of a spanking scene. I can even be spanked by somebody, or do impact play with somebody that I'm, like, don't find particularly, like, physically attractive, um, mm-hmm. which is really liberating, because then it kind of becomes more, like, recreational. Uh, yeah, so... I could go on and on and I do often everywhere and lots of places um, go on and on about impact play. Um, But uh, you know, just like with everything else, if you are interested in spanking, whether it's just like a quick smack uh, during doggy style um, uh, or you are like interested in sort of a more like a role play um, of a scene where somebody is like across your lap and like really maybe like, you're experiencing one of the D's in BDSM, the discipline, the idea of like discipline and punishment. You, you just got to like explore those fantasies with yourself and know, like, do I just like the sensual part of spanking? Do I like the pain part of spanking? Am I interested in a, like, you know, actually being like having a dynamic where there's some fantasy that I'm being punished for something. What is the thing that mm. I want to be punished for? Um And, um, you know what what kind of aftercare do I need after a spanking, all those different kinds of things. And then, you know, there are different impact play um instruments that people like to use or implements. Um paddles, belts, floggers, whips, canes, um there's just all kinds of different things that people like to use. there are so many awesome kink classes of all kinds um available in uh, you know pleasure product stores and local kink community centers, which totally exist. They're often in like play spaces like dungeons. Um, One upside of living in 2021 is that, like I was saying before, a lot of these things have gone online. Um, So even if you are in a place where you feel pretty confident that there is no like sex positive, like meeting or gathering space, um, or you don't feel comfortable like actually going there physically because of who you might run into. Uh, it's now more possible than ever to do that online. Um, don't just like go to the store and buy like an Indiana Jones bullwhip and then just start like whipping your partner. Um, this, it's a skill, it's a technique, uh, and it's something that you, that you need to not only like, learn the technique and learn the safety, but also, like, learn how to finesse it and, like, mm. in, in, in your in your own style. I think that the reason that bondage is so fundamental and popular is that it is a physical... It's the sort of most straightforward physical manifestation of a power exchange, right? Because if somebody is restrained, they're pretty quickly going to feel the, like, physical sort of like fight or flight response that then gets connected to their psychological response of having a loss of control of the reason that people want to experience power exchange whether they're the person in control or surrendering control is that it we have to stay in control as as adults in this society like every minute and having a space where you can negotiate losing control within a structure within a circle, within a space, within a designated period of time, Mm -hmm. it has the potential to be so cathartic in terms of how to get started with bondage. um, Some people take to rope bondage really, really quickly and really well. um, And some people, you know, might already have um, some knot tying skills. It is important to understand about safety. Like you were saying, loss of circulation for bondage that is too tight is is a real risk. So, um, uh, make sure that you are, uh, like doing your research and knowing what you're doing before you are using rope bondage. Um, there are a lot of really great like cuffs, like restraints for, um, uh, for wrists and ankles, um, on, on the market that you can get in either like leather stores or sex positive, uh, pleasure product, stores that, that are sort of designed for beginners that are really padded, um, and that, that, you know, that are also like dummy proof, um, that Mm. you can just like slip on, like you would slip on a belt. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, they might have like carabiners, um, that you can use to, um, attach either to, to themselves, um, or maybe you have a bed that you can attach it to a headboard. Um, and then just experience that, like that power exchange, um, between, you know, the the person doing the restraining and the person who is restrained. Maybe you just want to
0: do a little bit of restraint and then have the sex that you have otherwise. Kink, just before we we move on, you know, we we've touched on a couple of different kinks that are very common um that, you know, a lot of people will know about, you know, as we or like have, have, have some under understanding of, some awareness of. Um, but there are so, so, so Many things for so many people um, that perhaps listeners may not have heard of things like objectification, um, consensual non-consent, exhibition voyeurism, primal play, pet play, things like that. There is so much out there. Um, and I just want to mention that, you know, you said about taking classes online. There is such a good global BDSM and kink community Um that that that's really informative and really helped helpful and really wants you to have a great time and you know if you if you are thinking okay you know maybe there's something here that that i i would be interested in there are websites like bdsm test and things like that where you can basically answer lots and lots of questions and then be suggested kink things that you might be into and then doing some research online can lead to all kinds of awakenings that you weren't expecting.
1: Uh, a friend of mine who is a longtime sex educator uh, named Kate Sloan is coming out with a book. I got, oh, I got an advanced copy um, and I, I can't remember exactly when it comes out, Um, but it's it's soon. So I imagine by the time you're hearing this podcast, it will be out. Definitely available for pre-order. It's called... 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, again, by Kate Sloan. And, you know, there have been a lot of books like this over the years, some of which I love. Like, The Ultimate Guide to Kink is a, is a classic um, edited by Tristan Terramino that has a lot of different interests and a lot of different perspectives in it. Highly recommend that one as well. And then there's just like a lot of stuff in between that has just been like sort of mediocre. Um, and I think that mm-hmm. Kate's book is really classy like in in terms of its aesthetic and its design and it has like really beautiful illustrations uh and it just really covers and it's it's very like it's very of the moment it's very contemporary um mm. and very inclusive um and i just i i feel like I, as, as soon as she sent it to me i was like i'm so glad that this is the new book that we have to i i mm. literally said to myself the next time i go on a podcast This is going to be the resource that, that I recommend, um, uh, because I I just think it's, it's, it's a very like
0: friendly intro. I think that a lot of people who are new to BDSM 7 kink would worry about talking to their partner about it. You know, do you have any advice for someone who is about to have that conversation and on what they can say and, you know, how kind of resources they can direct their partner to, to, to learn about it as well? Because obviously you know, for example, for people who are more submissive and want their partner to be very dominant, for saying that to a partner who has no experience in it might might not lead to the best experience if you are not explaining it properly. I've, I'm aware that I've just asked basically two questions in one go.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. It's such an important question. Actually, I'll start with the scenario that you just outlined, because I think that w- the idea of somebody who has fantasies of being submissive asking their partner to be dominant is such a great illustration of the sort of, of of the symbolism of BDSM that we were talking about or the sort of like the, the melodrama uh, of storytelling inherent in, in BDSM that, uh, and, and the way that power exchange is, is usually like not as, it's it's not a simple uh, current that like you know uh, runs in one way and in one direction the reason that that's such a good example is that it helps us to not always think about power exchanges being very literal that like a dominant person wants to dominate their partner and so they say to their partner like I'm gonna I'm gonna dominate you I'm gonna spank you I'm gonna tie you up right like sometimes the the person with the strongest desire um, is is the bottom right Mm -hmm. is the person who who has that Desire to surrender for all of those or to like, uh, like feel that loss of control for all of the reasons that we've been talking about today. In terms of advice for how to broach these things, whether your fantasy is of being submissive, whether your fantasy is of being dominant, you know, something that I always recommend is, uh, and that many, many people who have come before me, um, have recommended is having these conversations like not in the heat of the moment. Um, yeah. so there is definitely a benefit to bringing something up like when you and your partner are both really feeling it and sometimes you can just really try something and then you have the you're both really brave you trust each other you you're feeling it you have the experience and then like that's how you discover something new that happens all the time and like is Mm -hmm. super possible it's a it's good to have a baseline understanding of the importance of being ready to have those conversations when you're not horny. <laughs> My partner and I call it shopping while hungry. Um, like, you know, that feeling, you know, that feeling when you, when you, yeah. go, to the, when you go to the shop and, and then you like,
0: look at, you get home and
1: you look at what you bought and you're like,
0: Oh no! What have I done? I can't eat dinner. Don't shop while
1: hungry uh, is generally my advice. Although sometimes, again, like sometimes you shop while hungry and you like end up getting the thing that you really want. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you like override your intellect and that can be good too. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, it, it you know, especially you know, you know, you mentioned long term relationships. Um, you know, sometimes these things can can bring up a lot of emotions that do have to do with with your relationship. Sometimes your concept of yourself as a as a kinky person. Person, or even like as a non-monogamous person, or as a, as a queer person, or what, like whatever it is, can be um, like thrown into this like different stark relief when your partner is um, is 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 framing it in a in a new way. Um, sometimes you you might think of yourself as like somebody who is like up for anything, and then somebody brings something up, and it and it brings up a feeling of brings up a feeling of insecurity it brings up a feeling of inadequacy it brings up a, a feeling um you didn't even know that you had a prejudice against this thing like until your partner asked for it so it's it's usually best to have those conversations um in a place that you and your partner have have um uh more sort of like open-minded conversation like it's important by the way to know a good place for like what? What is your happy place for an open-minded conversation? This is just as important as aftercare, right? Um, yeah. You know, do you? Some I know people who like having these conversations in in cars. I I find that bananas because I'm like, that just makes me want to crash. Um, but <laughs> but I, but I think that for some people who are really used to driving, it's like we're in this place. I'm focusing on driving but that and that kind of helps me like get in the zone um mm. so you know like long maybe like long drive long road trip like let's get into it totally get it for me i think a little bit more of like like a nice long walk in a peaceful place is really good um uh, you know, even just like a room in your in your home that isn't the bedroom, or is that isn't the room where you where you typically that you typically associate with sex? Maybe even having the conversation over a date. You know, you don't have to think of it as like, okay, let's have this heavy conversation. It can be mm-hmm. fun. It can be flirty. Um, you know, it can be seductive. It can lead to like going home and doing the thing right afterwards. And then my other like really big piece of advice for folks is just emphasize i think i've said this already like you gotta emphasize that if you want to experience your fantasy with this person that you want to experience your fantasy with this person Mm. Uh, i have definitely had the experience of somebody sharing a fantasy with me that i was totally game for but then i kind of got the vibe that they didn't really care that it was me they just kind of wanted it to be somebody And that doesn't make me feel very special and it doesn't really make me feel like you're worthy of me like rocking your world in the way that I can. So, you know, that's something that I always try to really emphasize with my partners. Like, like I am turned on by the idea of doing this with you. Like when Mm. I think about you in those thigh high leather, stiletto boots, it drives me crazy. And then, and then kind of putting the ball in their court. Like if we were going to do this, like what, what would turn you on about it? You know, those, that's just sort of my, my, my top line advice about having those conversations with your partner.
0: Perfect. I think that's really, really, really great advice. I think we are nearly out of time, which is wild. Thank you so, so much. I think this has been so interesting and so informative and it's awesome to be able to get to talk about this stuff as well. Um, so if people, I know you mentioned your website, but, um, you know, if people are looking for more information and want to find out more about you and your work, where is the best place for them to, to find you?
1: Well first of all thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. I love that we did like some real fundamentals and then also like went to some like pretty dark places. So that's that's always that's always my my fave to have those um uh that that combo platter. So my website is tinahorn.net that's t i n a h o r n.net. I am on Twitter and Instagram at tinahornsass or Tina Horn Sass. That's T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N-S-A-S-S. Uh, my podcast is Why Are People Into That, which you can listen to wherever you pod. My comic book series is Safe Sex or S-F-S-X, which you can... Um, well, you, you could buy that, that book and pre-order the next book, wherever books and comic books are sold, uh, online or hopefully at your local book or comic book store. And, um, yeah, uh, buy all my books. Um, uh, I definitely follow me, uh, like, uh, subscribe to my newsletter and follow me on the social media's for, um, for updates on all of the workshops that I am doing. I'm I'm, I'm averaging about two a month these days um, and hope to continue awesome. to do so. Oh, I have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash T-I-N-A-H-R-N. Anyway, that's me. <laughs> Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much for being here. Um, like I said, it's it's been so interesting and informative having you here. And, you know, listeners, if, you, if any of this has tickled your fancy and you feel like you need to go to the Love Honey website and get some fetish clothing or some bondage stuff or some things for Impact Play, then as a thank you for listening you can get 15% off of any purchase through the Love Honey website Um, you just need to scroll down and check out the links in the episode description don't forget that you can also um, give our podcast the rating that you think that we deserve tell your friends about us drop us a review you can follow Love Honey on Twitter Instagram and Facebook YouTube And as always, if you have any questions, our email address is podcast at lovehoney.com. Don't forget to come back in two weeks time for a brand new episode. And until then, thanks for listening. Bye.